The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who have gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm bilingual, but instead of a foreign language, I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military. I've used this unique skill to help thousands of veterans, and today I want to help you navigate the hidden opportunities and unseen risks you may face during your own transition from the military. This is the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. I think LinkedIn is one of the most valuable tools that we have at our disposal as a working professional, regardless of your station. So if you're somebody like me who uses LinkedIn, I use LinkedIn primarily to acquire new customers, to brand myself and build our reputation, uh, to look for potential employees, and frankly, to, to connect with people uh, people that I, I would like to network right. with um, that can pass me a referral or that I can offer more services that I don't do in my office that would benefit my customers somehow. So, I mean, that's five or six reasons that I just threw it out right there. But if you're not a business owner and you're somebody who wants to get into the workforce, you can use LinkedIn for that. If you're right. somebody who wants a better job than the one that you have and you want to get noticed, by an employer, LinkedIn is a great way to get a job or to get a better job. Today's guest on the podcast is Rob Renz. Rob served as a mortuary affairs specialist with personnel retrieval and processing in the United States Marine Corps from 2003 to 2011. When deployed, Rob and his team were responsible for recovering the remains of soldiers, sailors, airmen, coasties, and Marines that were killed in action. They would remove them from the combat zone, inventory their effects, and process them for a military burial service. When home, they performed burial services by folding the flag and giving it to the next of kin and playing taps. After the Marines, Rob held various corporate positions as an insurance executive. He took a two-year hiatus from insurance to work in sports radio and advertising, and now he is the owner and operator of a State Farm Insurance Agency in Wilmington, North Carolina, where he, his wife, and two daughters moved to from Atlanta in August of 2019. 
Rob spent many years in corporate America before going out on his own and opening his own insurance agency last year. And in the episode today, Rob will give you some great insight on entrepreneurship. Also, I really want you to listen to this episode because Rob gives some great advice on how to leverage LinkedIn in your transition. I can't wait for you to hear today's episode. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, we're happy to be here, Lori. Thanks for having me. So the the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is all about helping veterans in transition to just kind of learn from those that have gone before them. So let's just start off by having you share your transition story. So was it a planned transition? Did the timing take you by surprise? Tell us about that. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was planned. Um, And I I certainly, you know, I've told a lot of people this. I think I got lucky in my transition. And the reason that I say that is, you know, so I got out in, officially I got out in May of 2011. So um, I did a little bit of time in the IRR. So I think I did my taps in like the winter of 2010, something like that. And I, I hadn't really thought much about what I was going to do next. Um, and I was managing school in the last couple of years that I was in the Marines. Maybe, maybe like I started school in 09. So I was kind of doing both, um, juggling both. So, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, there weren't people talking about effective transitioning back in 2010. And if they were, I didn't know who they were. And I wasn't really, you know, engaged in social media the way that I am right now. So, so my transition story is this. I, I thought that what I had to do or what I needed to do to be successful was check a bunch of boxes. So um, I had to, you know, finish my military career check and then go to each of the section chiefs and, you know, say, all right, Sergeant Renz is signing out and check all of those and then get the degree. Okay, I've got the degree now, check. And then I need to go uh, find my first job. Uh, Okay, check. What was missing in all of that is me doing some internal self-check, I guess you could say, um, and really asking myself, okay, what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And not necessarily what, but why do you want to do whatever it is that you're going to do next? And so when I say that my transition was lucky, it was because I stumbled into something that I eventually became very passionate about. Um, my first, my first job, the, really the reason that I got my first job was because I was in the right place at the right time with somebody who saw the potential in me that I didn't yet see in myself. And uh, this person took me under his wing and he wasn't military uh, and he doesn't have to be. And, and I, you know, I say this to people all the time that are getting out like, you don't have to have a military veteran transition mentor. Um, it can be anybody if you're willing to listen. Um, so he took me under his wing and he taught me how to sell insurance. And um, I really had no interest in it when he told me about it. And he sold me kind of hard. And he was like, no, listen, you've got a really intriguing story to tell. And that's what sales is. Sales is transferring your passion for something onto somebody else and causing them to take action. Um, and so he taught me how to do that. And, and what I was doing was I was selling pre-arranged and pre-funded funerals to veterans. So what that looks like is uh, through the VA, 
if you are an honorably discharged veteran, mm-hmm. you can be buried in any national cemetery with at no cost to you. And your spouse can be interned there too as well. Right. The VA does not pay for your funeral service or your cremation service or any of those other costs associated to being laid to rest. So what we did is we marketed to directly to veterans that were in a certain age group. And we basically did a one hour, hey, here's what you're going to get, but here's what's missing. And here's how we kind of fill in those gaps. So it was my first foray into providing valuable community, uh, providing valuable information to my community and helping people solve a problem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I say all that to say this, I didn't know I was going to be passionate about that. I'm not passionate about insurance. Insurance in, in general is fairly boring. That's why we have to call people 10, 15 times to get them back on the phone to talk about it. But what it does, what it prevents, and those conversations that I have with people when they had it and were able to use it, or on the flip side, when they, they don't have it and they needed it, that's when I get the opportunity to kind of fulfill and cash that emotional paycheck, which is to be of service to somebody else uh, during the, the worst possible time. I want to be somebody's best friend on their worst day, because that's when I think I really shine. Um, and I didn't discover that that was what my inner passion was until a couple years after doing the job, really. Well, and I think given that your mortuary affairs background you you had some experience with that didn't you as you said like being with someone on their worst day and do you feel like that yeah. prepared you a little bit it did it did um and and that's what put me in front of the right the right people at the right time because i was doing so many funeral services that i was working with people in the funeral industry and and that's how greg and i came to know each other uh was because i was around that industry and those kinds of people. And he was like, dude, you, you're not connecting the dots here. Um, and so he, he really showed me that. And yeah, I mean, that did when you have to, when you have to present, uh, you know, the folded American flag to an ex of kin, somebody who just lost their, their husband or their wife or their son or their daughter. I mean, there's, there's no amount of emotional or mental preparation that you can do to be the person that has to to do that. Um, you know, and so I don't want to say it wears on you. It does to a certain extent. Um, but you know, I think it's a mindset thing, right? You can, you can either take that and you can let that drag you down and be a burden to you, or you can make a decision, which is what I did. I made a decision to take that experience and to try and help people avoid those kind of disaster worst case scenarios. And that's what my industry allows me to do. And I'm not just an insurance person. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. This is like our main core business. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's why or how I, I transitioned and how I got a little, <laughs> little bit lucky. So it sounds like you spent a couple of years in kind of corporate America, if you will, before you went out mm-hmm. on your own. So what, what drove you to start your own business? Well, so I really loved what I did and I loved my, I guess it was probably about 11 years in corporate and everywhere I went, I succeeded and I grew and I built great relationships and I learned a lot of awesome stuff. 
Um, but it, what it, what ended up happening was my, my last, my last full year in corporate, I was probably on the road at least 120 to 140 nights in that calendar year. So mm -hmm. almost a third of my year, I wasn't home. Um, and I have a five-year-old daughter and a, a soon-to-be two-year-old daughter. And when we found out that I was pregnant with, that I was pregnant, that my wife was pregnant. Well, you were too. With our, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? With our, with our youngest daughter, um, I knew it was time to make a change. Um, and, you know, my dad is a retired Marine colonel. And just with talking with him, one of his big regrets was that he he was hardly ever home. Like my the the day I was born, he was there. The day that I was born, and then I think a week later or maybe two weeks later, he got orders to go to Okinawa, Japan, for a year. And my mom and my sister, who was twelve at the time, they're like, "We're not taking a, a one month old to Okinawa." So dad went. I stayed home um, with my mom and my sister, and then that just kind of continued on for dad's whole career. And I think that was kind of the way it was in the 80s and through the 90s. Like right. the military, the military wasn't as focused on the nuclear family and the support system that goes around the soldier or the Marine or the sailor or the airman the way that they are now. And I still think we have a lot of progress to make in that regard. So, you know, to answer your question, again, it came down to a decision that I had to make. What was more important to me? Was it to continue to climb the corporate ladder? Even, you know, even though I was being fulfilled or was it to take now almost 17, 16 years worth of experience from the military and, and education in the corporate world and start doing it for myself. And that was the ultimate driving factor to me wanting to get in business on my own. So what advice would you give to a veteran, a service member who's listening to this right now and says, you know, I, I think I'd like to explore owning my own business. What are some, some things that you would have them think about, explore, research? Uh, I would 100% encourage it. Um, mm -hmm. What I would probably tell most people, though, that are listening to this is to stay away from startups. Um, you know, I, we all have those brilliant shower ideas, like with the next Uber <laughs> or the, the next, the next big thing. And right. you may very well have that idea. And if you are one of those people, I don't want to discourage this, but what I think is, is better and an easier transition. If somebody wants to be an entrepreneur and get into ownership is look at acquiring a business that that has been well run or maybe just run kind of well um, and look at acquiring that company look into franchising um, and you know stay away from the startup area because the, the the way to go from a concept to a product to um, how do I get this to market to funding it, just all this stuff with the startup is very difficult where if you're going to make an acquisition, okay, a lot of that stuff is already built in. Um, right. Or if you're going to go with a the franchise, they go, all right, well, here's the playbook. And what I know about people in the military is that we're very good at following process. You yes. know, we load, every Marine loads an M4 the exact same way because we had to practice it for an entire week before we ever got to fire on the rifle range, you know, like 
yep. steps in process and close order drill and all this stuff were very linear thinkers. And that's what um, franchising kind of gives you the opportunity to do. Now, what's awesome though about being an entrepreneur is when you have that startup idea mm-hmm. and you know, like me, like we're an insurance agency, that's a very scalable business. And once we get it to scale, now I have something that is feeding our family where I have the flexibility to go, okay, cool. I've got that great shower idea. Now I'm going to run after it because I can self-fund it. I've got a successful business. I'm not worried about not being able to pay our bills and stuff like that. So um, you know, that's the advice that I would give. Stay away from stay away from trying to build the revolution. <laughs> Go with what's a little bit easier. And there's nothing easy about owning your own company. I, I'm not going to um, paint that picture, but there are easier ways to have your cake and eat it too, I guess is what I would say about that. So maybe, the, you know, worry about paying the bills, getting something, a solid foundation, and then you can go and kind of chase that, that dream, if you will, as you said, your shower idea. Now, I always um, advise people to think about why you're starting your own business. You know, I've had people say, well, I I just want to be my own boss. I want to, I don't want a boss. I'm like, well, I'm an entrepreneur and I have hundreds of bosses. (laughs) And so, you know, I think that that's maybe not the right reason to do it. Um, but you know, there are some, some good and bad reasons to go out and, and start your own business. So, well, there's some, yeah, I think that's a question, you know, we throw that phrase around. I want to be my own boss. I don't want to answer to anybody. It's kind of become a bit of a cliche and to your point, you know, why? So tell me why I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Okay. So as what you're saying is you're not accountable to anybody at all whatsoever, because I don't think that there's a single person in this world that's not accountable to somebody, you know, maybe if you're, you know, a single dude getting out, like, okay, you're 22 years old, you don't have as much accountability or responsibility as somebody like me, who's 35, with a working professional wife who wants to continue her career, and two girls in private school that we've got to continue to find a way to afford to pay for that and a mom and dad who are aging and eventually we're going to have to make some hard decisions with them. And, you know, all these people that work for me that I am accountable to their success because I have to train them. I have to develop them. I have to provide them with opportunities. So to say, I don't, I don't, I want to be my own boss. I don't want anybody to tell me what I, what, you know, what I can and can't do. It's not, that's not real. That's, you know, that's, I don't know a single person and I'm pretty well connected, dude. I don't know a single person that isn't accountable to anybody. Um, so yeah, Agreed. I think that's a that's a bit of a myth. I agree with you. Very good. So um, you, I learned of you and kind of met you, if you will, on LinkedIn. You're very mm-hmm. active on LinkedIn. You put a lot of great information out there. Would you say that LinkedIn had played any role in your transition? Or is it more important to you today with what you're doing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that LinkedIn was even a thing when I transitioned. I know I didn't have an account. I had Facebook and I don't even think my mom was allowed to be on Facebook um, <laughs> back then because, you know, at the time that was, you had to have 
a .edu, you had to be enrolled in school because that's how Facebook started. You had to be right. a college student. That was the only people who got it. So I don't know if Facebook existed. I know Instagram, Snapchat, none of these other none ones existed. Mm -hmm. And I and I don't know that there was a single person if LinkedIn was real. You know, social social has changed so much in the past yes. 10 years. You know, like in 2009, 2010, it would have been unthinkable for somebody like me to just post a video about, hey, here's information that I hope you'll find useful. Right. I don't want anything in return from it. Do I want you to be my customer someday? Yeah, sure. But I'm not, I'm not going to like high pressure. That's not what it was used for. This has been the evolution of social media. So um, no, to answer your question, you know, straight up, no, it didn't. But I see it now as because I am so involved with the platform, I think LinkedIn is one of the most valuable tools that we have at our disposal as, as a working professional, regardless of your station. So if you're somebody like me who uses LinkedIn, I use LinkedIn primarily to acquire new customers, to brand myself and build our reputation, uh, to look for potential employees, and frankly, to, to connect with uh, people that I, I would like to network right. with um, that can pass me a referral or that I can offer more services that I don't do in my office that would benefit my customers somehow. So, I mean, that's five or six reasons that I just threw it out right there. But if you're not a business owner and you're somebody who wants to get into the workforce, you can use LinkedIn for that. If you're right. somebody who wants a better job than the one that you have and you want to get noticed by an employer, you know, I, they're, they're, I've got a post scheduled to come out about this. Like there are two people that I see on LinkedIn all the time and I desperately want them to come and work for me and I would be willing to pay them whatever they ask. They have all the leverage. And I've, I've said this to them. I said, Hey, I want you to come work for me. And they tell me not interested. Like I'm happy with what I'm doing and that's fantastic. Um, but I'm patient and I'm persistent and I'll continue and I'll continue. Now, the only reason that I know that I want to hire them is because I watch what they do on LinkedIn. Right. You know, they post stuff and they're like, hey, I'm out in my community, I'm educating, um, I'm not being a pushy salesperson. They engage with other people's posts and they get noticed. And LinkedIn is a great way to get a job or to get a better job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who's transitioning and you're like, okay, you haven't put a profile picture out and you haven't done the border background and you haven't updated your about you section, and you're a lurker on the platform, which is just somebody who does the endless scroll and maybe occasionally clicks like on something that really resonates with you. You're not, it's like, it's like trying to use a screwdriver when you need a hammer, you're not utilizing the tool appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I encourage everybody who's on their way to get out, like start, start being for real on LinkedIn one year from your transition date. Absolutely. You need to start building that brand, being active and yeah. doing more than just, like you said, put it even just if you have a fully fleshed out profile, that's still not enough. You have to get no. out there and engage and interact with people. And I've had just these amazing conversations with people just because I reached out. Right. So right. same right. with you. You know, I mean, it, you and I had, um, you know, three weeks ago, I didn't even we didn't know each other. And um, well, you know, I saw some yeah. things you posted. So. One of the, I, I took two years away from insurance and I worked in sports talk radio in Atlanta. 
um, for a, a massive sports talk radio station. And, and we were the Braves radio network uh, flagship station. So, you know, we would sell advertising and marketing solutions to local business owners. And uh, I'll never forget one of the best lessons I learned, one of the first lessons I learned um, from my boss and one of my mentors. He said, he said this to a client, I'm sitting in the room and the client is showing us this awesome website that they spent, I don't know, a lot of money to build, right? And, yeah. and Colin's the gentleman's name. He said, so, you know, your analytics, like how many people are hitting your website? And he's like, well, I don't know, we get a couple visitors a day. And Colin's line was, you can have the best website in the world, but if nobody knows that it exists, it's a giant waste of money. And so what I think about with LinkedIn is that your profile is your website, but people still have to find a way to get to it. And the only way that they find you is if you market yourself on the platform, which doesn't cost you a dime, it costs you a little bit of time and yeah. some sweat equity, but you need to drive people back to your profile. And you do that by, you know, constant commenting on things that are relevant or engaging in conversation with people or sending direct messages. And you never know what will happen from that. You're absolutely right. And, you know, so I think there are two ways that I see LinkedIn works for you is getting people to come to you because you've engaged with them and interested them and seen they, you've built a brand and they, they see you, right. Or making sure your profile is optimized for what you want to do next so that you show up in searches but the right. only way that you're going to show up in searches if you, is if you have a large network, right? Because yeah. it's all about six degrees of separation. So yeah. there's a lot at play, really, when you look at LinkedIn. So I think that the first way that I learned about you and what you do is through LinkedIn and, and um, Suiting Warriors. So mm -hmm. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about Suiting Warriors because you're really yeah. involved in that organization, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm the vice president of the board for it. Um, and you know, even though we're in, so we're in my 11th month of owning and operating the insurance agency. So we're not by any stretch of an imagination, a scaled business yet. Um, and we, we acquire and onboard new customers every single day, which makes me feel good. But my, <laughs> um, I'm constantly underwhelmed <laughs> with anything. So my expectations are rarely ever met. Um, but all that being said, um, up to this point in my life at 35, I feel that I have been incredibly blessed. I've had great opportunity. Um, you know, I put a lot of hard work in, but a lot of doors have been opened for me um, through, through, you know, what I call my brand ambassadors. Those are really people that are just invested in me personally that help me. And every successful person will tell you that they had those people. Um, so Suiting Warriors was an opportunity for me to genuinely give back and you know, we, have an, we have a saying around my office, you know, uh, we, we give freely without expecting anything in return, because mm -hmm. I truly believe that if you do the right things, it's not possible to get the wrong results. Um, and so we lead with that sort of servant mindset uh, to give freely and not expect anything in return. And Suiting Warriors is something, one, because I am, you can ask anybody who knows me well, Lori, I love, I love a good suit. And I really have acquired a taste throughout the years for very nice Italian shoes. <laughs> and, and Suiting Warriors gives me the opportunity to provide that 
type, that type and level of clothing and the things that I've picked up just as a hobby to people that deserve it so, so much, but that are also a little bit lost, like, you know, four years, eight years, 20, 25, 30 years, right. you've been told what to wear every single day. You know, mm-hmm. when I was in the Marines, it was, it was uh, March or excuse me, January. I don't remember what the months were, but you wore your green camis for six months and you wore your desert camis for four or five months and you're back <laughs> in your green camis. Yep. Um, woodland, desert, woodland. Yeah. So um, we were told what to wear every day. So knowing how to show up at your first job interview, looking like you belong, not only does that give the wearer loads of confidence going into it, but that first impression, which is so important, tears down a little bit about, uh, of, that, of that bias that uh, this person is coming from the military. They don't necessarily have the job skills that are translatable to this role. I don't buy that. I think there's a communication gap between what we did in the military to what we can bring to an organization. But just that that first moment, because you know, people start judging you with, with the first time they see you. They're making a judgment about you. Is this the right person? Um, will they bring the right skill set? And just having that professional attire, it can it can make or break. Uh, you know, somebody getting selected or somebody not getting selected, you know? So what suiting warriors gives me the chance to do is to like, look across from a guy and say, Hey, listen, man, three button suits are out. Like you're not ever going to wear a three button suit again. And you're not going to have pleated pants and the peak lapels are only for formal wear. And you know, like this, 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 and this, you never go pattern suit, pattern shirt, pattern tie. These are all the things that I wish somebody had told me when I showed up. Cause I've looked at some pictures of myself in the past and I had no freaking clue what I was doing <laughs> so yeah so it just gives me that opportunity to be able to give back uh in a in a real and meaningful way okay that's great and how often do you do events well so we just did one at my office a couple of weeks ago you know, COVID's obviously slowed things down but at the same time you know the the people are still getting out of the military every single day so right. um we are strategizing we have a major major campaign that's about to roll out that I will not say anything about yet, but I will tease it. I will professionally tease it and say, you know, follow the suiting warriors page because uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving, we're going to make a major, major announcement that I'm just over the moon about. We just finalized all the details on it today. So, um, so we're going to do something extremely special for some very well-deserving people. And we've pulled in some really big names, uh, very high notoriety names. We're going to do something special this Christmas season for some well-deserving people. So um, that's exciting. Yeah. So, so we'll do that and then we'll plan the next one after that. <laughs> okay. Got it. So everybody go follow Suiting Warriors on LinkedIn, Facebook. What do you recommend? LinkedIn, Both? Instagram, Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I control the LinkedIn account for Suiting Warriors. So okay. I will say this, that's where you'll find all the best stuff is on the LinkedIn page. Okay. I don't know what they're doing on Facebook and Instagram. We'll put it, we'll put a link in the show notes so people can easily just click on it and follow cool. you. So cool. Excellent. So, you know, again, I, we talk a lot about LinkedIn, but you're very active on there. And I saw you talk uh, earlier, just uh, probably a couple of weeks ago about taking some time after the military or before you transition mm-hmm. to really discover like who you are apart from the military. 
And I think you told the story that you went uh, on a hiking trip in the mountains for a week or so. Um, mm -hmm. Talk to us about that idea because I think it's so important. Yeah, the, the one box in the, in the checklist um, that I said I didn't check was that, was that you know, reflective self-awareness, like self-care, right. health and well-being check because um, I had to do everything else. Because again, we're very linear, we're very process driven. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna do all these things or else I'm gonna fail. Um, you know, at the time, I believe they're still around. It was called Outward Bound, uh, was the name of the nonprofit. They they would take combat veterans and fly them all over the world and give them very, very unique experiences and the opportunity to connect with other combat veterans and just, you know, sit around a campfire in uh, the open wilderness and just chill. So um, we got brought to Colorado they set us up in this awesome awesome place where we stayed and every day we would go climb another one of the 14ers um which are the the big peaks out there we did the collegiate range out in in colorado so we did harvard and yale um and it was just you know it was it was awesome because it was the challenge i think there was a metaphor behind it like okay we're climbing this mountain to find ourselves, you know, it's a little cheesy, but whatever, it made me happy. <laughs> it worked, yeah. Um, but, but that opportunity to just decompress and realize that nothing else was happening in the world and nothing else was important, more important than us just reflecting on everything that we had accomplished and giving some space for the, the voice inside your head that's been tamped down. You know, the military, we train people to do things reflexively, like on command. Right. So having that, that inner monologue with yourself, there's no place for that in military discipline. And I understand that. And that's what makes us effective. And that's why we're the best military in the history of the world. And that will continue to be so because we have our training and our processes down and we continue to innovate and get better every single day. But as you're reintegrating, you have to find that voice again. Um, you have to listen to yourself and listen to your intuition and, and stop asking the question, well, if I do this, is there going to be a really angry first sergeant that's going to yell at me for putting my hands in my pockets or for walking in the grass or any of those little things that we talk ourselves out of doing because that's not military discipline. That's not our protocol. Right. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm just such a huge advocate for whatever's practical for you. And I know every situation varies. Mm -hmm. Um, whatever's practical for you and 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 the process of self-discovery can't be done in a week it just can't um but you have to be my recommendation is is to be deliberate about putting yourself at least on the path to self-discovery and understanding that okay i'm taking the first step to reintegrating to finding myself again as rob instead of sergeant renz and knowing that this is going to be a lifetime pursuit of personal and professional development and, and just being very conscious and mindful that you're doing this deliberately because it's gonna benefit you in the long run. And, and so, yeah, my advice is, is to do that. Pick whatever it is that is gonna be an enriching experience for you and go do it. Don't feel guilty about it. Um, there's more than enough resources to help people out that might not have the money to be able to do it. I, like I said, I think Outward Bound is still a thing, but mm -hmm. if they're not, I know that there are other organizations like that. 
Um, I have a, a very good close personal friend. He's uh, soon to be retired uh, Lieutenant Colonel in the Marines. He started a nonprofit called A Hero, A-H-E-R-O. It's American Heroes Enjoying Recreations Outdoors. So he'll take you on a hunting trip down his property in Alabama or take you fishing in Gulf Shores, Alabama. You know, things like that to just get out and be with your tribe mm -hmm. and talk to people who have been there, but also to just enjoy and plot your next course. I, I've talked to thousands of veterans in the last you know, 15 years I've been doing this. And I will tell you that the people that take the time to do exactly what you talked about to you know, take some time to figure out what is going to make them happy, something they haven't been able to ask themselves for, you know, however long they've been in the military right. and take some time to figure out like, who do I want to be outside of the uniform? Those are the people that are the happiest and the most fulfilled in their post-military career. So I 100% yeah, agree with you. I don't think it's a stretch to say that those two things are very closely connected. Yeah. There's a lot more that goes into it, but mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I just think getting that starting point of saying, okay, I'm closing the chapter and I'm opening up a new one, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not going to rush myself to, you know, I, man, I talked to a guy and, and he told me the story after I put the post up, he was in the comments. So I had a conversation with him. Like he, he, he got out of the Marines on a Friday and he was in just say Camp Lejeune. Cause I don't remember he was in Jacksonville and he started his new job on Monday in Texas. And over the course of that weekend, he moved his family, all of his belongings from one side of the country to the other. And he got there on Monday. And now he has to start doing onboarding and orientation and learning a new job. The human body is not built to deal with that. <laughs> so, you know, and, 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 you know, think about it this way too, as well. I talked about a little bit earlier, everybody is accountable to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I made the decision to get out of corporate America because I wanted to be a dad and a husband first. Um, and so if anything, for those of you that might be listening to this, that are going to be getting out at some point, learn from me and my dad in our relationship, our relationship didn't really take off until I was like in my late twenties. So it was, we didn't have anything in common until after I got out of the Marine Corps. And then once we did, and he started to age and decompress a little, and I started to age and decompress a little, we, there was finally like a coming together where we're now, we have a great relationship, but that took a long time. And I didn't want to do that with, with my kids. And I'd be willing to bet that most of the people listening to this don't want that type of relationship with their children either. So that time and that space in between military and what's next, I mean, you're accountable to those people too as well. They depend on you for a lot of things and it's not just having a job. So um, that time needs to be dedicated for some family time too as well, if you have one when you're getting out. I would bet you if he had just gone to that company when he was in the negotiating process of negotiating his salary and then start time and all of that. If he had just asked for another two weeks, they would have happily given it to him. Probably, probably. You know, I, I think... But I do, I, I do also think, you know, there's this, there's this maybe, I don't know if it's fear. Um, if that would be the word that I would use for it, but you know, when you're in the military, again, to my point of the way that, you know, you're, everybody feels like we play a part 
in the military because we do and the success of the mission because we do. If one person in a platoon is slacking off, that could have some very serious and dire consequences. And so I think we overload ourselves with responsibility that, oh, if I'm not there, the world is going to end. I had a, <laughs> there's a guy um, who did a, um, he did a, a keynote speech uh, for us a lot when I was in corporate America. He's hilarious. He's from a tiny town in Georgia and he has this great Southern drawl to it. <laughs> and he says, the world's going to keep spinning after you die. And it's his way of saying like, you know, you have to find a work-life sort of counterbalance and know that things will continue to go if you take a month of time before you get back into it, you yep. know? So um, I think that's something that, you know, really has to be worked on is that, is that, a, that sense of I, I'm responsible to everything I have to deliver. I have to deliver because everybody's depending on me but the world will continue to spin long after you die. It, it has for millennia of human generations. Yep, and the military will go on without you, right? So yeah. take the time yeah. for yourself sure in your will. transition because they figured out how to live without you before you came to your unit, your brigade, your platoon. They'll figure it out after you leave too. So yes. that is a great yes, advice. they will. Yes, so are there, um, are there any like kind of final lessons you want to share with us? Lessons that you've learned, struggles you lived through, stumbles you made, anything you want to leave us with kind of as a final lesson learned for today? Yeah, I will say maybe one thing. Um, and that is, it's related to everything that I've, that I've talked about and I've mentioned. And, um, you know, it's something I feel strongly about. And I still feel a little bit of guilt about it, honestly, because, um, I wasn't very gracious with my first job, with the people that I worked with at my first job. And I think it was a mix of a couple of different things. I think I was young and I had a little bit of an overinflated sense of self, a little bit too much ego. And, you know, I came in with that, that feeling that, you know, you all depend on me. I'm the only person here who could possibly do this because I just spent eight years in the Marine Corps. And none of you did that. You know, um, and so I didn't really treat people the way that they should have been treated. And so, you know, my, my word of caution to people is, um, and this was a big mindset shift for me too, is that, you know, not everybody's going to get as lucky as I did to find somebody that I clicked with on a number of different levels that despite my somewhat brash and rude and obnoxious approach um, <laughs> took me under his wing you know, and, and provided air cover for me, you know, cause I'm sure he and a lot of other people have had to clean up messes for me that I'm not even aware of. Um, just cause I said things a, a certain way that, that they shouldn't have been said. So, um, you know, I, I think I wish I had brought the intensity and the passion, um, that I know most everybody that is getting out of the military feels. I, I know that that community, we have that, but, take take some time to really think about how you make people feel and people don't remember you for what you do for them they remember you for how you make them feel um and and i would say in those first couple of years after i got out i really could have done a better job at that um so that's just my that's my word of caution to everybody take that with a grain of salt <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us and for 
all of the information and advice you've given to your fellow veterans who are following behind you today. I really appreciate you being on the show, Rob. You got it, Lori. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lessons Learned for Vets. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help smooth your path during your transition from the military, then I have done my job. If you haven't already, please click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share our podcast with your friends. Connect with me on LinkedIn and join the Lessons Learned for Vets Facebook community to tell me what lesson you learned today. See you next time.